In 2021, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's Cyber Tip Line received 29.3 million reports of suspected child sexual exploitation, which is an increase of 35% from 2020. From Renya's book, The Online World, What You Think You Know and What You Don't, to Jen's direct work with victims who have been exploited, many beginning in the online space, both Renya and Jen have heavily focused on education about the dangers present on the internet. Today's conversation with Yami Pence feels like three online safety powerhouses coming together to deliver a vital message to parents about raising kids in the digital age. There is evidence that pornography in general uh, triggers a lot of this. Just FYI, in, in regular adult pornography, like confirmed adults, the word teen and the, the, the type where it's the cheerleader, the babysitter, that's where this all starts. You would call it legal CSAM, you know, because it's technically an adult, but she looks like a child. And that, and that is the seed being planted. And then it just got worse over time. And now the majority in the reports, cause we would get neck neck reports. Okay. So we like, I would get hundreds and hundreds a month or, and I would have to go through them. Almost all of them were toddlers and little kids like and, and babies. Yami Pence is a former Special Victims and Internet Crimes Against Children task force detective who, since leaving her career in law enforcement, has suddenly grown her social media following to over 60,000 followers since March of 2022. Yami uses her professional expertise combined with her life experience as a mother of two to spread awareness and education about the dangers of the online world. Today, Renya and Jin talk with Yami about child sexual abuse material found online, sextortion, what all parents need to know about the online space, and more. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Renya and Jen. Welcome to the Balanced Voice Podcast. I'm Renya Mancarios. Jennifer Homan. I'm so excited to be here. I have a little bit of a cold. It's okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, but we are thrilled to have today's guest, Yami Pence. She's visiting us from Florida. So, so interesting. Yami served uh, as a police officer in Florida for seven years, working specifically with the ICAC division, Internet Crimes, Internet Crimes Against Children. Uh, she was a detective and investigated child sex abuse cases in person and online, left in 2000 uh, in 2021 to pursue an online career where she shares everything she knows about keeping your kids safe online uh, through these uh, video digital assets that are shareable, that are so good to um, you know share with your community. If you're a parent, if you have friends who have kids, it's such a uh, important content. Jen, and they're engaging. They're engaging too. She's great uh, memes kind of like, uh, and the, her videos are very relational. So I, I found her content to be really, you can share it with your kids and not feel like it's stuffy and, and they wouldn't understand what's going on. Great job, Yami. Thank you for having me. Um, yes. Yeah, so that, that career, um, when you're a police officer, detective, like you don't leave until you hit retirement. You're waiting for that time, you know, so that definitely wasn't in the plan, but at the same time, it was a very clear unction, a clear calling from God is what I call it, <clears throat> to leave. And, you know, the whole time, you know, I'm so passionate uh, for protecting children and putting the bad guys away, you know, protecting the children by putting the bad guys away. But there is something that I saw in my career is that the parents had every single time, it wasn't just kids, that you know lived in a in a foster home or something or in a in a um, you know a, a home where they care for children that are, are placed in the foster system. Um, it's it's kids with parents who love them, and it's 
it's lack of knowledge, it's lack of education, it's lack of awareness. And so we saw that as detectives and, you know, having all that training, I was like, why would I quit this job where I'm I'm successful? Why would I do that? And, um, you know, the main reason was to be with my kids. But as I spent time with them, I'm like, I know all this stuff. I know all this, this information that can help other parents. I must share it. So that is um, now I understand why I went through everything I went through, why I did the career that I did so that I can come at it from a preventative standpoint, because we don't even want our kids to to have to come into the police station and make a report. We want that to be completely preventable. And it can be. It's probably also very therapeutic for you, right, Yami? I mean, you, the, you almost have secondary trauma from the information that you see or the people you come across um, who are the worst of the worst predators in the world. So hopefully it's therapeutic for you too, to feel like you're you know, doing, still doing something uh, with, with all that crazy information you've got in your head. Absolutely. Um, you know, part of what ICAC detectives have to see is CSAM, which is child sexual abuse material. And to see that kind of material when it goes from babies to teens and everything in between. And unfortunately the trend now is much younger. It's, it's when I was there, it was all babies and toddlers. Like it was, you know, and, and that was an unexpected thing. You know, you go into that career, you know, these things happen, but you don't expect to see them into the massive quantities, the mass amount of, of that on a screen. Like you really do not expect that that is the reality and that's what is the reality. So um, you're exactly right. So to be able to be online and warn parents and even teens, um, I, I actually... Do not love TikTok, but I went on there at the suggestion of another ICAC detective, um, retired detective friend. He's like, get on there. It's a lot of reach. And I'm like, you know, like I didn't really want to. But I have since had several teens find me on there because that's their app. And they're in the middle of being sextorted and they're they will not go to their parents because they're, they're afraid of shame. They, they're afraid of getting in trouble and being blamed for it. And I'm able to walk them through as best I can away from harming themselves, giving them resources, giving them ways to report ways to, you know, make the abuse stop and, um, you know, support in that end. So that's why I stay on even TikTok because it's not my favorite app, but clearly I'm there for a reason. So so. It's like a love-hate relationship, really. I mean, I think we need to use social media. Yeah, you know, too. we we can talk about all the negatives and all the, the the horrible things these platforms allow, but we also can be there providing light and information yeah. and positive content. Um, you know, as we were preparing for this uh, technology review, a 2022 article said the U.S. now hosts more child sex abuse material online than any other country, and you're talking about seeing cases with babies being sexually abused and exploited. Why is there a market for content in the abuse of babies? I, I'm not, I'm never going to understand this. I mean, it's, it's a very sick individual that wants to see that, but what happens is, okay. So what we noticed, um, this is my career, but there is evidence that pornography in general, uh, triggers a lot of this. Um, and then you have, younger kids being exposed to this, like in their teens and they're, and, you know, even younger, and then they're exposed to, uh, you know, CSAM, but it's of teenagers. Right. And then eventually that's not good enough anymore. And they're, this person is aging 
and aging. So they're exposed via the internet, via social media, via whatever. And this, this addiction starts. Okay. And, um, and, and then they stay stuck at that age and they only want younger now, and then they're going younger and younger. And then, so the people who have always abused children, right? Like say like, there's always, there's a population of people that have always abused children. Now they realize, oh my gosh, there's other people like me on the internet. Like they're sharing it. They're sharing it on kick on WhatsApp, um, on even Facebook and Instagram and wherever they can, they're sending each other, they're finding each other by like little, you know, emojis and, you know, like words that mean different things and they're finding each other and then they're building trust with each other. Like you're, you're a pedophile. I'm a pedophile. Let's trade content and they will build trust by sending each other this stuff because they could be arrested for sending that. So if I'm going to send something or they're going to send something, then I can trust this person. And so the, the top, the, the young, like basically they egg each other on. And so it has, it is a supply and demand thing. And then they encourage each other to go find a younger and younger child to, to it's it's very disgusting and horrific to even say. There's a couple things. I think the movement towards calling pornography with children, child sexual abuse material was yeah. just recent, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before yeah. we, it was called all pornography. Yeah. So in some ways yeah. it desensitized the predator to be like, this is just porn. Yeah. This is not yeah. abuse material. So that, I think that was a good movement of migration, right? right. Now, the, I do a number of interventions and I can't tell you in the past two weeks and and I think maybe God puts this in my way to, to build up for things, but where just recently a little you know a little boy a boy young man was addicted to pornography and he started playing looking at pictures and and then videos and played that out on his sister Mm. so then his tiny Mm. sister is who he played this what he was seeing online onto and then of course if somebody else is the predator and, and chatting him up they're gonna ask him to share those pictures so and then the predator i think you know but but tell us yummy is it a majority of the people that are online and these predators that are wanting that extreme perverse material? Or do you think they're, I mean, what's the, what's the demographic look like? Well, just the numbers alone. Well, let, let me go back really quick. The pornography thing, just FYI, in, in regular adult pornography, like confirmed adults, the word teen and the, the, the type where it's the cheerleader, the babysitter, that's where this all starts. Like it, even normal people that go seek out, like you quote out normal people that go seek out pornography, a huge amount has violence, has rape and has, um, and has the word teen in it. Okay. So it's, it's, it's put, it's made, it's, it's, you would call it legal CSAM, you know, because it's technically an adult, but she looks like a child. And that, and that is the seed being planted. And then it just got worse over time. And now the majority, because of the numbers, as I saw as a detective, all the, at one point, like, so my, my old friend, Rob, he's such an amazing detective. And um, he was like two people before me as ICAC in my city. And he would see, you know, like 10 years old to 13 years old. Okay. And then it would get a little less like, eight to 10 years old. And then by the time it got to me, all I saw in the reports, cause we would get neck neck reports. Okay. So we like, I would get hundreds and hundreds a month or, and I would have to go through them. And it always had one or several, you know, of those images and videos attached to a screen name, a person, whoever was sending it illegally, you know, it was captured by the provider, the service provider, and it was sent to neck neck who sent it to the police. And almost all of them were toddlers and little kids like and and babies like it was it was never like hardly ever the teens 
Like that is basically out the window. That's like as easy to get as anything else now and they want the stuff that's hard to get. So it's, it's very devastating to even, I mean, a normal person can't wrap their head around why, you know, um, I like to use the word demonic, um, you know, other people can use other terms, mentally ill, like whatever you want to call it. It is, it is a massive problem because like they're even showing it to the kids. So they're trying so 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 they're trading it with other pedophiles and then they're going on TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, and um, all the other places that kids are at, even Roblox and Minecraft and Fortnite. And they're taking all these images that they have and they're grooming kids with those images and videos. They're showing them, look, these guys do it together. These kids do it. Now you should do that for me. And that's how they get, you know, because to show a child something like that, you know, obviously it's abusive in itself and that, you know, it's, it's a grooming method to, to show them, look, if another kid does it, why couldn't you? Um, so it, it's, it's very devastating. And um, I think it just, the, the predators will even tell you, like, once I started, I couldn't stop and it kept getting worse and worse and worse. So when you've met with, I mean, you've worked with these predators, you've, you know, investigated and, and really thank you for your work. Because as mm-hmm. much as we do at Crime Stoppers, as much as you do to fight trafficking, it's really, really hard to be day in, day out exposed to such graphic, horrific, abusive content. And um, so thank you for the work mm-hmm. you've done and thank you for continuing to try to educate what would you say now, though? Like, I always ask the question, the average person sitting at home thinks they have the two great kids, no problems. You know, they'll always ask me, what's the most dangerous app? Or is there really, really a chance that a predator is going to target my child when we live in a great home, great neighborhood? We're really, really engaged. It doesn't matter who you are, how much money you have. Um, you know, there's a, an awesome woman named Lisa um, and she has a football family, like a, a like a professional football family. And she has her own platform. You could probably interview her someday. She's amazing. And she stuck her neck out there and shared her story about what happened to her daughter on Roblox. And this is a children's app. She's 13 years old. And it just, it spiraled after that. You know, it wasn't, you know, like it, it was very intense. And she tells her whole story. I recommended her um, tag. Her tag is Life According to Lisa. And this is a woman who absolutely adores her children. She dedicates her life to her kids. Um, you can see that as they're successful right now, the, the adults and, you know, and they're just a, a beautiful family. Um, and I mean, everybody, like they're just so lovable they, and they love their kids. You can see it oozes out of them. And there is no way that these kids are neglected in any way, yet still this could happen. Okay. So that, so every child is at risk if they have access to the internet and you can set rules and boundaries. And what happens is that kids aren't perfect. Like we, and even the best kids with the best grades, they're not perfect and they will make mistakes. We we all made mistakes as children. We just didn't have access to this craziness. You know, these are 500,000 predators a day on the internet looking, hunting for kids. Like, just like I, I call them, like they have their fishermen and they're literally casting out lines and they got multiple rods and they're just waiting for one to bite. And sometimes they've got several on the line and they, and they will not stop. Thank you to our season five sponsor, Fliplock, for making this episode possible. Fliplock was created as a nationwide, straightforward solution to protect your people, whether it be in universities, dorms, daycares, hospitals, or even government buildings. We're proud to have such a strong and like-minded sponsor this season. Check out Fliplock at fliplock.com 
That's F-L-I-P-L-O-K.com. If there was one thing that you could, if you look back at all the different cases that you've had, what would be the one or two things that you tell parents to do? Well, first start young talking and educating them about body safety um, and about safe, I call them safe and unsafe pictures and videos. Um, There's a book out there called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, amazing, amazing um, help that book is. And you could even change, interchange the words if you want to change it to safe and unsafe versus good and bad. Um, You know, there's there's some talk uh, and some some research out there that that kids, uh, if you use the word good and bad, especially talking about their private parts and private parts in general, they may have a little bit of shame. If God forbid something does happen, they are going to look at themselves as bad. So if you just say that something is safe or unsafe, it's a little it's it's a little safer in general. Like to, they don't feel any shame into into something that happens either, whether they you know chose to log on to a website or whether something was exposed to them, like their instinct is to hide it um, immediately. They're afraid of getting in trouble. They're afraid of getting their devices taken away. They, they don't want any negative repercussions, even if a mistake was made and even if they were exposed to something. So, so that early education of body safety and, and just pressing the, the consent, the body autonomy. And, you know, I even say change in diapers, you know, especially in the toddlers, like if you let them know I'm changing your diaper, you've got, you know, your, your diaper is soiled, diaper is dirty. we got to change it. Only mommy does this. I've got to wipe you now. Just, just by like telling them what you're doing, even if they don't fully understand you just that moment. And then you continue it all the way, all those years through and okay. Oh, you're on the potty. Got to wipe you now. Is it okay that I wipe you? And you just like really give them that confidence and that uh, body autonomy. And like, this is my body, even though some things do need to occur, like bathed, teeth brushed and all that stuff. Um, I still have a say in what happens to my body. That's like step one. And then step two is giving them um, the proper words for their body parts and um, making sure they understand them and what privacy means, why they're private. Then you move on to, okay, are other parts okay to touch or not touch? Like even if they're not private and then you get to when be at least before sometime before they grab a device, an iPad, a kid's game, an Amazon fire tablet, whatever you think is the most locked down device, tell them about the safe and unsafe pictures and videos. And it sounds a lot nicer than saying pornography or CSAM to them. So that's, it's such a gentler way to go about it. Like, okay, these things are private and they're also private and they should not be on a, on a screen period. End of story. Like they just shouldn't be. My dad taught us to say, literally all three of us, we were taught to say as little kids, um, don't touch my private or I'll beat you up. Maybe, oh. maybe that's why I'm such a hellion at this point. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to bleep we'll that. Bleep. It's okay. Keep going. But, but literally, I mean, at such a young age, my dad was like, and my sisters. So we're all we like. We didn't have any of that growing up. Oh, like, we my, never had my those parents, conversations. But ever. we had the creepy ever. uncle. Oh, okay. So we okay. had the creepy oh. uncle. Actually, we did too, now that I think of it. <laughs> Wait, we totally did. We had the creepy uncle. And so my dad was like, we would have big family. We're, you know, we're Persian, so we have big family get-togethers or whatever. And he was a grand uncle. My uncles are watching this. <laughs> You're not them. saying which one. We it was, a, it was a great uncle or whatever. And so my dad, whenever he would, you know, talk to us or whatever, or my mom would give us a bath, we were, don't touch my private or I'll beat you up. And literally lived that throughout our lives. But what's interesting, Jen, and I think what Yami talks about too, is the evolution, you know, like the, 
hey, we're just friends to like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to touch your, to come on my lap or let me tickle all oh, your hair. Like yep. it's a very subtle evolution mm -hmm. that before mm -hmm. you even know it, you've been fondled. But the other thing too is that's not just in person. Now, how do you say? Well, that's the big don't problem. show somebody's don't. If somebody asks you to share their your private online or in a picture, tell them you're going to beat them up. I mean, how do yeah, you? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah, especially when nudes are the new first base. That's right. And you know, it was yeah. interesting. The I I had I was asked to intervene in in a in someone that I used to work with that's in the industry, and the first thing I did is tell them to go download your book. I said, oh, I said, have you said anything to your to your child yet? And she says, we found this information. Somebody is is grooming. We believe grooming our our daughter. And I said, have you said anything yet? And she said, no. I said, don't. Wait a second. I want you to read this book first because you have to be on the same page with the strategy of how are we going to teach this child to use social media because you can't just ban yeah, it. Yeah, you can't ban it. And then, but but walk them through getting enough information to figure out what stage of the grooming process they're in. And then figure out how to one help that your child and two get the damn criminal. Mm -hmm. So it's a it's a touchy situation. It's it's a it's a hard thing for us to get our head around when we were taught about stranger danger. Uh, Yami, you talk about tricky people. Um, so I do. I use tricky people for younger. I mean, just you know, as 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 long as they can understand what that means, you go for it. And then you just this is with everything you teach. You have them regurgitate. Have them repeat. And until they can do it like in a, in a way when you ask them what is a tricky person and they can tell you, then you move on to the next thing. But tricky people is what I call is what I what I say for predator, because I don't want to say the word predator to a small child, especially because predator can actually paint the picture of a creepy guy with that wears like dark colors and creeps around at night. Like, no, tricky people can be anybody. And that's what I teach children is that tricky people can be anybody and it could be another kid. It could be an adult. It could be someone in charge. It could be a family member. It could be absolutely anybody. And it, it blows, like I was teaching my my nieces and nephews, um, they're homeschooled with my sis. And then, you know, whenever I can interject, I do, and she loves it. So, and I just talk to them the same thing over and over. And these are um, a five-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a nine-year-old. And they, I will give them these concepts, consent, body autonomy, what are the private parts? Should somebody touch you on your upper thigh? Is that private? Like, these are really good questions because it's not private, but should anybody touch you on your upper, upper thigh? No. And it's funny because they, they intuitively know, like, that's close to my sensitive areas, you know? And then I say, well, what if I want to touch your shoulder and you don't want me to touch your shoulder? And that's another thing. So it's, it's so fun to have these conversations because they are so smart and they get it. And, um, you know, and, and you don't have to scare them. Like I was just terrified that oh, I forgot the word in Spanish that they used as a child for me, but they would say basically like stranger danger in a way that someone's going to come snatch you up, be careful. Like, you know, which is so, so, so the, the statistics of that happening are so very low. Um, it is, it is 90 over 90% the people that we know. And, you know, I wish that you know, there's uh, someone I'm very close to my family that this happened to. I actually walked in on her being abused by the babysitter's husband. And this is where my whole life began of fighting against this. So, you know, I was like in third grade and she was a little older. So it's just, it's just one of those. You walked in, say that one yeah. more time, what happened? So we were at, um, at a babysitter's home um, and it was just a family friend as always. And, you know, a, a mother, a father, husband, wife, couple worked with my mom, worked with my dad, 
just the people that you would trust with your kids, right? Assumingly they have multiple kids you know, it's all good. It's not all good. The dad was abusing this family member of mine and I walked in on it. He had been grooming her for a long time. Um, you know, abusing that whole closeness of like, okay, hug and kiss everybody. Hello and goodbye type of thing. And just using those moments to groom her. And then, um, it was like late night, my parents were doing some kind of like private party. And I, I walked in, I went to go like, tell my sister something. She was napping. She was supposed to be in there alone. And I walked in and he was in there abusing her. And I, as the age that I was, I didn't know what I saw. And I mostly just saw him like move away. You know, his, his reaction was to like pretend he was organizing a shelf. It was ridiculous, but I'm a little kid. So I didn't know what I saw. So in that moment, nothing really happened except for that. I, I interrupted it from getting any worse and, um, you know, eventually that person, um, my family member was able to tell somebody, told somebody else, and, you know, the police were able to get involved, but that's, that's where this all began. And, and that's where most of the time it happens. If it's not, um, I saw that not just the babysitter's husband could be the babysitter, but it could also be the babysitter's own children. Like if there's a teen in the home and they're being, like you said, exposed to pornography, they have now this in their mind and, and God forbid, like, you know, they get exposed to pornography and then they get into chat rooms. And now that teenager is being exposed to CSAM. So, and, and then, and then now they're like, well, how do I process this? He's not going to ask his parents about it. And he goes and processes that with a child. And especially the older, the older they are, the more that predatory it is. Of course, you know, it's all abuse. This kind of gets us to sleepovers. Oh yeah. yeah so yeah. How, how, what is your what is your my family's perspective don't on sleepovers? Go to sleepovers? And mine either. I mean, never. I think my oldest daughter was allowed one time because we know the family really, unless it's like my best friend. That we are basically the same family. There's there's no sleepovers. Um, yeah. But I want to. I, I, can I ask a question? Yeah. I, Yami, you now again have worked both sides. And the predator, let's take a minute to define the predator. The predator can be the creepy person on the other end of a computer. The predator could be the babysitter, the babysitter's husband, a teen, a sibling. Predators can be anything. So how do we, what is like your, in your experience, if you tell your children this, you will be able to protect them, whether they're face-to-face with a predator or online being groomed. Like, are there like the three top things, like online, if you see these red flags, you do this, or in person, if you see these red flags, you do this. Well, they're always going to, that's why we call them tricky, because they're always going to start off nice. They're always going to be the person that's great with kids or that's friendly and loving and extra cuddly. And they're always going to be extra nice online. They're going to tell you everything that you want to hear. You're going to, this is going to be your best, like someone's turning into your best online friend um, or telling you that you're beautiful, whatever it is, you know, they're going to be very agreeable with you. And, you know, and it's hard to explain that to a child, but that's why I said they could be really nice, really friendly. They could like the things that you like, but as soon as they start to cross your boundaries, your body safety boundaries and rules, the private part rules, they start to ask you for things that, you know, make you feel uncomfortable. As soon as you start to feel, there's like a bunch of, um, there's a list of ways that your body can respond to, to, you know, fight or flight. And as soon as your body starts to respond, as soon as you feel uncomfortable, and as soon as they ask anything regarding your private parts, picture, or they start to, to touch you in a certain way that is, you know, you know, it's not safe. Um, you know, I, I always say um, tricky people or unsafe people will ask you to keep secrets. 
will, you know, they will cross those body safety boundaries and they will try and show you things that you shouldn't be looking at. Um, you know, they will try to show you those unsafe pictures that we talked about. And those, those are ways that you know that this person is not just a regular person. They're a tricky person, an unsafe person. Um, that's, and that's for kids. And it's hard because it's really not their job to keep themselves safe. So that's what I t- try to emphasize. It's not their job. It's, it's honestly on us. And we got to do the, the digging before we leave our kids somewhere. We got we to have these hard conversations. So it's online if someone's nice to you mm-hmm. and then start showing you things or asking you things they know, you know, they shouldn't. Yeah. But at the same time, what if you think this is a boyfriend, girlfriend? Some of the posts, uh, uh, Bark, yeah. you know, the application Bark, yeah. right? So Bark is a, a well-known app for monitoring your children's social media and what they're saying online and, and texting. They've had some recently some really good ads where it's, it's basically like just traditional conversation. I that, love Bark. Yeah, and, and and so, you know, usually you're like, hey, what are they monitoring for? So they're actually putting together algorithms that look for like just traditional words or mm-hmm. common, you know, common sense stuff that's, but then sounds luring that the normal eye wouldn't pick up on. So it's been really cool to see online on social media where their ads are starting to say, hey, this is, this is really what it sounds like. It's not like some predator saying, you know, show me your, you know, this. No, and mm-hmm. it's, it's very um, yes. elusive. It's sneaky. And so that's why I try to explain to parents, like your amazing child, your amazing child can still be a victim because they pretend to be children. They, they know how to do it. They spend all day, every day on their phones at work, at home in the middle of the night, early in the morning. Like I'm this, I seen this with my own eyes. <laughs> we, we've gone to do search warrants and these guys are there with their phone open, uh, evidence ready. And they're, they're really good at pretending to be children. And so even if that's what, and so even if another child, asks you especially to send a nude photo or starts to say stuff that you know just is inappropriate or unsafe, even if it's someone that you really like, you you got to tell me so that I can make sure that you're safe. And, you know, you're not going to get in trouble is one of those top things to say. Parents don't always love to hear it <laughs> because, of course, I, I, I recommend having boundaries with your kids. But if you tell, if you tell them that I'm going to take everything away from you and, um, you know, all these bad things are going to happen. They're not going to want to tell you. They're going to try to handle it themselves. And that's not always the way. Well, what do you think, Yami, are the top things that these social media apps can do, right? I mean, it, it baffles me that they're not monitoring more and they can do all these other things. They can predict this or prevent that or talk but about this they, politically. Why would they hurt a revenue stream? Uh, right. I mean, but really like Well, I mean, Snapchat. They, want, they want eyeballs. And if this whatever brings the masses to their platform is all they care about. That's all they care about. And it's funny because you said uh, Bark. I actually just signed with them. They're an amazing company. Like their algorithm, their technology is incredible. <laughs> like I highly, highly recommend anyone listening to this. I don't get paid if you, uh, they didn't pay me to talk about it here. So if you Same. have a child with it, yeah. if you have a child with a device, you're thinking about it someday, um, there are other awesome devices, but if but if you want like a typical device, an iPad, a Fire tablet, whatever, um, they have an amazing app that will scan not just for grooming and for you know anything sexual. You could also limit any app. You can block anything off. Um, you know it's it's incredible, but it also picks up even um, suicidal ideation and talks because sometimes kids will tell each other via text like, hey. I want to hurt myself. Like, and how, like, that's so heavy for our kids. They should never have to deal with that. Like that's, that's for another adult to handle and help, you know, cause God forbid a child hurts themselves and our child 
was the last person to hear them say something like that, that's going to be so heavy on them. So I highly recommend it. And you actually asked me before about what's the most dangerous apps. And it's, I would say, the top ones in my head right now are Snapchat and TikTok. They actually refuse to allow Bark to, so so some apps will not let Bark uh, monitor. And those are two that won't. That's why we encourage everybody to sign the hashtag let parents protect sign that go search that hashtag sign the petition um really started by dr laura berman and sam chapman which is this fight to get parent monitoring devices on platforms like tiktok and snapchat bark being one we all like they partner with crime stoppers they endorse my book so we have a good relationship with them um but it's one of the best can i ask one last question before we wrap up with you when we go speak to and i do a lot of public, I do a lot of online safety conversations to parents Mm -hmm. and I just did one last week and a mom at the end pulled me over and she said, listen, I got to be honest with you. I'm so thankful that none of this applies to me because my kids are not allowed to be on technology. And I was like, you think your kids are not on technology? And I'm not even saying her kids are sneaking a phone or an iPad or have accounts, but What's your what's your response to the parent that says, I'm so glad this has nothing to do with me because my kids aren't online or on technology? Even if you do not allow a single device in your whole house, um, you're not 100 percent of the time around your children and other children are seeing things, um, sending things. I know somebody who had a Gab wireless phone and her daughter um, still received, uh, you know, videos like links to TikToks via a text message. You know, and it's so you you really don't know 100 percent of everything. And kids, the other the rest of the world are largely on devices and your kids will interact with kids like that. And teachers are not always keeping their eyes on students. Devices are constantly being passed around. They're even being sold to kids in schools whose parents don't allow devices. So and, and it's because I don't want you to think like, oh, my child would never do that. Like. Think about yourself as a child. Like, what did your parents prevent you from doing? And did you not think it was barbaric? Did you not think it was overkill and over, you know, like we all thought that way as a child because we just want to be like everybody else. We just want to see everything that everybody else gets to see. So if your child decides like, okay, well, I'm just going to get one so that I can play Roblox. Like, that's it. I'm going to get one of these phones that they're selling. or I'm going to let, because even some kids will give like, hey, here's my old phone. Here, take my old phone, hook it up to your Wi-Fi. And kids are geniuses geniuses these days. I don't know what's going on. They know how to do it. They know how to get around everything. And and you'll never know. It's a scenario of the forbidden fruit. I mean, my dad said I, when I was a kid, I couldn't spend the night at somebody else's house, so I snuck out. Yeah. I mean, you're going to find, and I, I, when you said all the things kids are doing, so many things played in my mind about everything I did and you didn't do <laughs> when we were kids. I was such a boring good kid, but that, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, oh, I'm just boring. such a good match. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just boring. That's all. Um, But I really thank you, Yami, for the work you do and encourage everybody to follow you. Go on, you know, I follow you on Instagram at Yami Pence and we'll link everything, but you're on TikTok. And yes, the platforms have a lot of negative content, but we're people like you, me, all of us, Jen, we're trying to flood them with positive content too and and sound bites that are helpful for parents. So we thank you so much for being with us and um, we look forward to seeing everybody next time on the Balanced Voice podcast. Take care, everybody.
Thanks for tuning in to today's Balanced Conversation. You can find real solutions and tangible resources in our show notes at thebalancevoicepodcast.com. To join the conversation, follow us on Instagram at thebalancevoicepodcast and on Twitter at balancevoice underscore. Stay up to date on Renya's work by following her at The Renya Report. And we can't wait to see you next week for another Balanced Conversation.